Good morning again. Welcome. So glad that you're here. Uh, before I jump into our passage for this morning, I want to just take a moment and uh, give a couple quick reminders about this week. <clears throat> so first off, Christmas Eve, candlelight service here, 4.30 p.m. It is kid-friendly, also adult-friendly, um, but plan on 4.30, candlelight, the whole deal that we normally do, singing Silent Night at the end, and uh, it should be a fun and enjoyable time. Uh, Christmas Day, there is no in-person service, but instead in the morning, uh, in the loop, we'll come out and it'll have devotionals, some reflection questions, thoughts, readings, and the like for you and the family or for you individually to go through. And then uh, last but not least, New Year's Day, we will have a service here, regular time, 10 a.m., uh, it will be focused on prayer. We'll have some of the time in the chapel. There'll be some time uh, for some snacks as well and interaction. Uh, but it'll be starting the year off in prayer and really uh, inviting God uh, to speak to us in the year ahead. So, a few announcements that I wanted to get out of the way. The kids program, by the way, unbelievable. Um, I think my favorite moment was when they really got into the rhythm section at the end, you know, that whoa, 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 with half of them leaning one way and half the other way. Um, but Britt does a fabulous job with that and all the volunteers, but even more so, I've just been so impressed over this last year about the material that the kids are learning and the things that they're thinking about being challenged with. Uh, the way we're inviting kids into a spirit of wonder. Uh, wonder is not just for the Advent season. Wonder is for the whole year long. And to ask the kinds of questions they're asking up there and to be wrestling with the story of faith and who is the person of Jesus, it is, uh, is awesome, awesome work that is happening up there. And this is just a small little picture of it. Um, so this morning, our passage is Mark 15, 21 to 41. You can turn there if you want. What I'm going to do is summarize it. Um, if you're familiar with the passage, this is not what you would typically talk about on an Advent morning, in part because this is the part of the story where Jesus is in front of Pontius Pilate. Uh, Pontius is asking him questions. He finds Jesus to have no fault whatsoever. Um, he then says, we're going to release Jesus. The whole crowd goes, no way. Let's substitute Jesus for the other person. And then Jesus is handed over to be crucified. He's placed alongside of a couple criminals. And uh, the text tells us that he breathes his last breath as he cries out the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not your typical kind of Advent joyous celebration passage. Part of what we wanted to do this morning was tie the story of the death of Christ to the significance of the birth of Christ. In part because as we're going through the book of Mark, there is no birth narrative in the gospel of Mark. Kind of just skips over that, jumps right into the story, gets right into the action. If you know Mark, that's the kind of writer he is, and so this was an, the idea six months ago was to connect these two ideas this morning. 
And the more I've been rereading the Gospels and specifically the birth narratives, I was struck with something over the last week or two uh, that really caught my attention. And it's the fact that the Gospel writers, in no way, like we're trying to do, we're connecting the story of death to the story of birth. There may be some allusions, some things that were hinted at about who Jesus was and what Jesus would ultimately do. But they connected the story to an entirely different moment in time. It's like in the Gospel of Matthew, for example. It starts off this way. It'll be on the screen. The book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ, or in another phrase, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So Matthew starts off and says there are 14 generations from Abraham to David and then 14 generations from David to Babylon and then 14 from Babylon to Jesus. And he starts off with this linking of Jesus all the way back to creation. You get to the book of John, the Gospel of John. It starts out, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word was life, right? And John takes us all the way back to the origin of the world, all the way back to creation. So I started asking myself, why is it that Matthew, if he's wanting us to connect the story to something, why is he connecting the birth all the way back to the beginning? And then why does John do the exact same thing? What is it that the authors are wanting us to capture by going back to the beginning. What I want you to do is kind of just hold that thought, that question in your mind for a moment. And I want to talk to you about streaming services. So if you've ever been on streaming platforms and you're watching movies, the unique thing about this technology, back in the day they didn't have it, but you can watch pretty much whatever you want, whenever you want. And the beauty is you can turn it on, and watch the show as you desire. But what happened to me the other day is I realized that there was this movie I had seen quite a while ago. And if you know my personality, I have no interest in watching it again. I know for some of you movie buffs, like that's a slap in the face, that's not my intention. Um, but I'm just like, I, I do not have the time, nor do I want to make the time to watch this movie again especially because it wasn't one that I thought was really great, but I kind of forgot some of the nuances of the story, and I was intrigued enough that I was like, hmm, let's watch this, right? But I don't watch it like you might typically watch it. What I do is I go to the part where it starts to stream, and then I like just slide the controller over so that you can, have you ever done this before, where you can kind of see the tabs where it's like you're moving through the story and you are like, supposed to get to where you want, and then you like start the movie, right? But I just like keep doing that. And so like a two-hour movie, I can just watch in five minutes. It is unbelievable. So I just watch it in the tabs. And I'm like, oh yeah, that thing happened, which led to that thing, and then oh, the twist in the story, and then it came to that. Oh, I remember that scene. And then you just keep going, then there's the climax, conclusion credits and you're like oh yeah I totally remember that movie and then you don't have to watch it again you just move on to whatever's next right 
So I was finding myself going through that, just enjoying it like any other person would. And I get done, and I thought to myself, isn't that interesting? The technology allows us to kind of place ourselves outside of the story that obviously the author, the creator, the visionary of whatever film it is, wants you to immerse yourself in the story. Wants you to get lost in the intricacies. Wants you to imagine what's coming next. Wants you to anticipate what that ending might be like or what the climax will be of the story. And instead, this technology allows you to sit outside of the story and just kind of detach yourself from it, to just be familiar with it, and just to kind of go through the transaction of taking the information in. And I think what you end up being left with, if I was to give it a phrase, you have a transactional approach that leads to detachment and bland familiarity. And this is what I think we do with Advent. I think what happens with Advent is we're so familiar with the story, it's like watching the movies with the tabs going. And you're just scrolling through because you know what's coming. You've heard it a million times before. You just kind of want to get through the story. And you want to remember, to a degree, the bullet points. And those bullet points will lead you to the conclusion that you were ultimately going to come to. And what happens is I think it leads to a transactional approach with Advent where we're detached from it and we become so familiar with the story that it's kind of like, yeah, it's Advent again. The transaction for me, and I don't know if this is true for you, but for me, it, I think where it starts to strike the most is we become so familiar with the birth that it becomes just a functional moment in time for a purpose, just for the transaction. Here's what I mean. So we say the birth happened, and the birth happened simply because we needed the life to happen. And the life happened simply because what we needed was death to happen. And death happened so that resurrection could happen. And resurrection happened so that I could go to heaven. And we just go through the transaction, and I know the end of the story, and that story is just like, everything works out for me in the end. And so... We just play it with the tabs. And that's how we view the story. And so we connect the death to the birth simply because the birth is just about getting us to this point in time, right? And that transactionalism leads to God does A, then I do B. Or I do something, and then God now is on the hook to give a reciprocal action back to me because my job is somehow to please God and go through the motions, do the right thing at the right time, and then God will do His thing at His time for me, and then we'll just play this game where we have a transactional relationship over and over and over and over again. We create a system around it called a religion, and then that's what we find ourselves trapped in. And we're just watching the movie through the tabs. It also leads to a detachment. It means like I can sit outside of the story and I can watch the Advent unfold. I can watch the story of Jesus unfold. And I could go, isn't that really nice? I remember that story. I heard it when I was little. It hasn't changed much. And I can detach myself and realize that I don't have to like participate in it. 
because I'm just sitting there with my controller, just scrubbing through the video. Or it leads to this familiarity where I don't really feel the emotions of the story. Because why would I? I'm just watching the tabs. I don't place myself wondering what's coming next. Because I already know. That viewpoint, I think, has us missing out on so much of what makes Advent, Advent. So if we flash back now, why would Matthew, why would John connect us to Genesis or creation rather than the Christmas story? And I think it's because the Christmas story just doesn't start in the Gospels. It actually starts in creation. It starts in Genesis. Because there is this massive narrative that we're a part of, and they want us to see that at the very beginning. And this leads to three things that I think Advent needs to remind us of this morning. The first, Advent is not about a transaction. Rather, it is about relationship. It's always been about relationship. In fact, the entire story of all of the Scriptures is like one big Advent. One big continual arrival of God again and again and again. God who's drawing Himself to us. God that wants to know us intimately. We have this story in the very beginning where we hear about mankind as a whole. Existing in perfect harmony with self and with others. Relating to one another and to God in beautiful ways. Being ruled over by a Creator that's benevolent and generous and kind. Who lavishes the kingdom on His people. And gives all the essentials for everything that is beautiful and desirable. And God describes it this way. He says that He created it all and that it was good. And He loved creation. But mankind, not being satisfied, relied on our own knowledge, our own wisdom, and we became wanderers. We became those who lived in a foreign land, unable to connect in the way we once did in the bliss we once shared. And so God sought to restore that relationship because God loved. And He desired to be as close to His creation as possible. And so God established this pattern of Advent, of continual arrivals. And each one became more profound where he became closer and closer and more intimate, and each of them lasted longer. So for example, you might remember at one point, God came as a pillar of cloud and of fire. That there was a nation of people that were wandering through a wilderness, a chosen group of people. And he desired to be even closer, and so he came as this pillar of fire at night and cloud by day, and they wandered their way from place to place. And it was a sign that God was present, that He was among His people, that He was near, that He wasn't far off, but that He was close by, and God remained with His people. And He established a nation, and He moved them to a promised land, a place where they could flourish. And then God said, I'm going to set up a tabernacle or a temple among you. And I'm going to sit 
in the Holy of Holies. And I'm going to be in this space where you could come and be as close and as intimate as you want to be with me because I'm present among my people. And everywhere the people would move, the tabernacle would go and the presence of God would go with them. And then as they established the temple, God sat in that space. He filled the space. The scriptures talk about the train of His robe being so big it filled everything in this space. And he dwells among His people, but Israel desired to replace the king with a king. And so they go through a period of rulers and of pain and of exile and frustration and prophets and then 400 years of silence. And then we're told that God, loving His people, desired to be closer, desired to be in relationship, wanted it so much so that the incarnation takes place. This moment in time that we currently celebrate with Advent where Jesus comes and gets as close as He can. And in a way that only God can, He lives and moves among us. He takes on the very personhood. And so this far away and longed for Savior draws close. He arrives and the fullness of God is seen in the person of Jesus. And the phrase is used that the kids sang about this morning that this is God with us. Being even closer and closer. And then the text tells us that God, who's walking with us in the person of Jesus, who's dwelling among us and living with us, then tells His disciples there will be another Advent to come and it's an Advent I'm asking you to wait for. And then He departs from them. And again, remember, each time He's with us longer in a more profound way. And He says this to them in Acts 1, And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so, God indwells man. Getting even closer and in an even more profound way of being in relationship with us. Which brings us to this second idea. And that is that Advent demands engagement, not detachment. So we live, as the text would tell us, in this in-between. We're in between the two most significant Advents of God. We're between the incarnation when God comes in the person of Jesus and lives with us. And when we look forward to the glorious return, when God's kingdom comes and His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's this moment that we live in between these two spaces. And again, if we're just watching Advent with the tabs and we're scrolling through the movie and we're just moving from one part of the story to the next, what ends up happening is that we disengage from the story because we're not present in the moment. We're not trying to see the advent, the arrival of God. The text tells us in Matthew, keep awake therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. 
So we're told to wait for the next coming. We're told to wait for His appearing, to stay awake, the text tells us. Henry Nouwen describes it this way when he says, the Lord is coming, always coming. When you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will recognize Him at any moment in your life. Life is Advent. Life is recognizing the coming of the Lord. See, our way of engaging, our way of being present in the Advent season is not just to look forward to the coming arrival, but it is to look for the continual arrival. The continual advent of Jesus over and over and over. So don't detach this season. Lean in. Look for moments throughout the obscure, the mundane, the normal for God to keep showing up. Keep arriving. Which takes us to the third and final idea. Advent invites anticipation. So just like if you're scrolling through and you become so familiar with the story, when you do that, you no longer anticipate what might come next. You've been in the movies before and you're sitting there and you're fully engrossed in the story. There's, there's a bit of you that your fingertips kind of tingle. You get a little nervous. You're wondering what comes next. Recently, I watched one trailer. I won't tell you what movie it's for, but it's a very high one, and my hands started sweating. Because I'm like, I hate heights, and this looks awful, right? This looks like the worst movie ever. Because I just, everything in me started to anticipate what that might look like, right? That is the experience that we're supposed to have when we sit in the Advent season. It is to Lose yourself for a moment in the story once again and go, I wonder, I wonder when God's coming next. Because it could be any moment. It could be any second. That there's this anticipation that we might have. Revelation speaks to it this way. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. That is the moment we're waiting for. When all of those Advents fully make sense because each arrival is more profound, it's more personal, it lasts longer, and there will be this moment that comes when it will be the most profound It will last forever and there will be a space for us to be together as a community engrossed in a meal with the King. Sitting and drinking fine wine and enjoying relationship and hearing stories that last forever. And hearing each other's stories and the parts of our stories we've missed with each other and the parts of our stories that we missed for ourselves. Because we were so engrossed in whatever our little part of the movie is about. Advent calls us to sit on the edge of our seats, allowing the electric thrill of anticipation to surge in our minds and bodies as we watch and wait for the Lord 
knowing that our good God is always up to something and that that something is always for our good. May we live this season with an expectancy. May we not just get caught scrolling through the movie, catching the highs and the lows and hearing it once again and becoming so familiar with it that we lose all the anticipation. I want to close with this little quote from Frederick Buechner. He's describing Advent and he describes it in a way that is, to me, so captivating. And he ends with, before, before you hear it, he ends with this little phrase that Advent is the moment right before the moment. That moment you're anticipating that you're longing for. There's something unique in that moment. That moment is Advent. He says this, The house lights go off and the floodlights come on. Even the chattiest stop chattering as they wait in darkness for the curtain to rise. In the orchestra pit, the violin bows are poised. The conductor has raised his baton. In the silence of a midwinter dusk, there is far off in the deeps of what of it somewhere a sound so faint that for all you can tell it may be only the sound of the silence itself. You hold your breath to listen. You walk up the steps to the front door. The empty windows at either side of it tell you nothing or almost nothing. For a second, you catch a whiff of some fragrance that reminds you of a place you've never been and a time you have no words for. You are aware of the beating of your heart. like You're fully present. The extraordinary thing that is about to happen is matched only by the extraordinary moment just before it happens. Advent is the name of that moment. May we anticipate and long for the coming of our King. God, we invite You this season to make Yourself known to us in ways that perhaps we have uh, become just familiar with. But may You excite us. May You animate us. May You cause in us a longing and anticipation for Your Kingdom to come in all of its fullness, in all of its glory. May we not just kind of scrub through the movie and catch the tabs and the highs and the lows without really immersing ourselves in the story of Advent. Just like these little kids immersed themselves in songs that sang of Your coming, that reminded us of Your presence, may we get lost in those same kind of emotions this season. Help us to be aware of Your continual arrival and give us a longing for your one to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.